a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Cecilia, if we're back with another episode. How's your mind? Oh, <laughs> Do I have to answer that honestly? <laughs> yeah, because I was actually thinking about this before. I'm like, okay, so I love the way um, Nat and I have always talked about you go, how are you? And then you say, no, how, how are, are you, you really? really? I know. So how are you really? Um, look, I feel less crazy in the <laughs> sense that things are slower. Mm, that's good, isn't it? Right. But I have to say I'm not any slower. <laughs> no. And um, I have to say that I am not a teacher. By any stretch of anyone's imagination when mm. it comes to the current curriculum. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, Geordie's teacher sent me this lovely message of all the things that I could be doing yes. to help with his learning. Yes. And I really wanted to write back and say, I don't think you understand that I'm also working at the same time and mm. I feel like I'm going crazy. It's hard. Well, this is the thing about for parents in ISO, it's like 10 times the work that you would normally be doing and you're with your children 24-7 and it's been six or seven weeks right now. So there is a lot to, uh, you know, keep your mind busy as opposed to people who maybe have other things on their mind because they don't have children and maybe they're taking up crochet or, you know, a Sudoku. Well, I have to also say you probably asked me on the wrong day because (laughs) Olivia's birthday was yesterday and she woke up at 4.30. Great. Yeah. Um, not, That's a long day. Not, <laughs> it wasn't actually her fault. She butt heads with Geordie and then they both woke up mm-hmm. and then she was so excited she couldn't get back to sleep. Anyway, she had a great mindset yesterday, great mental health. It was mm-hmm. great. She mm-hmm. was very happy. So we'll see if that can continue on to today. Very good. But obviously we're alluding to the idea of mental health and well-being, <laughs> and we've got one of our favourite guests back in. Yes. Yes, to talk a little bit about... Mental health from, I don't know, I wanted to touch on the men's perspective as well. Uh-huh, absolutely. Hello, Wayne Schwass from the Pucker Up podcast and Pucker Up organisation, is that right? Yes, that's that's fine by me. It's very nice to be welcomed back onto your little podcast and it's great to see you both in good spirits. <laughs> oh, well. Well, this, this is, is our escape. Thing, you know, <laughs> I know I got to shave my legs and put on a frock and not worry about active wear today and, yeah, I, mm. yeah it's, uh, it's funny, isn't it, how little things like that make such a big difference to the way you feel about yourself. And that's really come to the forefront in this current situation where we're really not supposed to go anywhere unless it's essential. So that's right. It has a flow on effect, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Mm -hmm. How have you been in this time? Um, That's a really good question, Cecilia. I, 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 um, um, I like a, a lot of people have actually ridden a roller coaster of different emotions and feelings and thoughts, and some of those have been really good and really positive. But there have been, if I'm being brutally honest, there have been days where I've felt overwhelmed and sad and worried about the future. But um, I think, and I was saying this to a couple of people I was talking to yesterday, I think the thing that I'm incredibly grateful for is I've been practicing tools and techniques long before COVID 19 arrived. And the thing that keeps me coming back to a position of being able to manage and maintain my well-being are the tools that I've been using for many years. And I actually um, shared on Instagram last night that I can't imagine how 
more challenging and difficult the experience would be for me personally if I didn't have these tools available to me now. So I'm very grateful for that. I love that because you can feel like it's all overwhelming. And then when you bring back, and we forget to bring the tools in when we feel like that sometimes. Mm. And then we stop and then we're like, hang on, I just need to, whatever that is for you, you know, I have a series of things that I um, do to help me feel normal and balanced. And when I'm overwhelmed, I can forget what they are. But it's so nice when you actually remember what they are and you do them and you're like, oh, now I feel better. (laughs) Like, why didn't I do that? (laughs) Yeah, and I think what's really good about that answer, Nat, is that gives us a sense of ownership and control in in an environment and an experience where we've lost a lot of control Mm. because there are things that we're all trying to navigate which we have no influence um, or control over. And I think it's comforting to know that when you do find yourself being overwhelmed or really worried or stressed and, and, and quite emotional, even as a male, it's comforting to know, now hold on a second, I've got tools available. I can actually do something proactively to get a bit of that control back and calm yourself. And I think... You know, I was talking to an amazing lady who we're going to um, interview on our podcast, Professor Lee Waters. She said, to quote, unquote, the gift of COVID is time. What are we prepared to, to do with the time that we have available? We can either choose to start to invest into developing tools and strategies that help us build our mental muscle, that help develop our resilience. And the really exciting thing about this, ladies, is I, I really want to encourage people to use this time wisely because if you can invest the time developing tools which are relevant for you, what that does moving forward is no, once we get through this, no matter what life chooses to throw at us at some point into the future, we've got a toolbox that allows us to manage that more productively and fe- effectively and that's a really exciting opportunity. I think that the fact that the should has been removed from everyone's life, it's like a a leave pass from all the things that you feel like you have to do all the time, but you maybe don't really want to. Like even catching up with people, and I love people, but I reckon every weekend I go, oh, we should catch up with this person or we should see if they're around or we should go and do this or we should. And all of a sudden you can't do any of those things. So it's just like there's a release. It's space. It's created space. Mm. That's what it's done for me anyway. There's definitely this Mm. feeling of space. That's the gift. (laughs) There's this gap all of a sudden. And I really really do, um, that's the bit I am liking about it, I I have to say. But Wayne, what do you think, you know, in terms of, because women and men deal with things differently Mm. and men often want to go into solution and, and solving the problem. And if we can't do that and we're, you know, we're able to, as women, I think it's all the little pieces that we put together. But if that's not happening, what does that then do to our mental health for men, I think particularly? I think the current situation is already starting to have a significant and uh, sometimes dramatic impact on the mental health of a lot of people, not only males but but females and people of all different ages. And, and the interesting thing is that we all will deal with stress and fear and worry in different ways. Some of it, some of us might deal with that in a physical sense. Some of us might be impacted in an emotional or a mental sense, um, a well-being perspective. I've been labouring this point for so many years. I've always believed in the value and the benefit and the importance of mental health from my own perspective, but also more broadly for for people that you know in all all of the communities around the country, and. We invest into physical health, we get it. We invest into the health of our cars because we want to maintain the health and well-being of our vehicles and all of those things. 
I just hope that this is an opportunity for so many people to sit down without the normal distractions of a busy life, work, family, children, bills, responsibilities, because I think my big takeaway from from this pause is that I've sat back and gone, we're we're so busy being busy, Mm. but is that really the best use of our time? And if I'm being honest, no. You know, I spend an hour to an hour and a half one way going into the city for work and then coming back the other way. I'm sitting here going now, once I get past this, I'm not going to do that every day because that's three hours out of my day. I can work from home. So I hope people use this as an opportunity to really sit down unemotionally and go, what are the really important things in my life? What do I want to continue to invest into that give me satisfaction and enjoyment and those type of things? But equally, what are the things that I have compromised about my own life and the life of people that I care about, that I can start to make different decisions and go, you know what, this is having a negative impact on my well-being, and I'm not prepared to compromise that anymore. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she said, can you imagine if a government had said, right, we've got this idea, let's do a trial run and see if we can close down society and get everybody to work from home. We'll sort out schools so that schools can be run from home you know, we'll throw a bunch of money at at investing in whether it can be done or not. Can you imagine the backlash that would have come if that had actually been proposed by one side of government or the other? And yet, within a couple of weeks, we've managed to do all of that and for all intents and purposes, it's pretty much worked and it has opened people's minds to, like you just said, Wayne, the fact that you don't have to be in the car for an hour and a half necessarily every morning to get to that meeting that you could potentially do over Zoom and still get the same outcome. It's actually kind of mind-blowing. That's, I think that's a great observation, Cecilia, because if a government without COVID-19 had proposed that, then they would have been outed. Yes. They would not they would not be they would not be running the country as it speaks right now. And I think there are a few things that um, that that for me have I think recalibrated the way that we think about this and that is that a lot of businesses have this historical view that you've got to come to work five days a week, you've got to be there at eight o'clock and you can't leave until six. Mm. I think what businesses are now seeing out of necessity is that people can be just as productive and effective working from home. And in actual fact, when we have an opportunity to work from home where we don't have to leave an hour and a half early to get to work, come home an hour and a half after everyone's been home, we actually, we connect, we're connecting with our family for a lot of us in different ways. That adds a dynamic to the family, but at the same time we're able to do our job and I've had conversations one in particular with one of the big four accounting firms and um, with with a managing director and his comment to me was we didn't think that people would be as productive working from home that's been proven incorrect and also we have so much capital invested into our buildings that we're now starting to sit back and go that is not an effective use of our, our money so I think what will happen out of this is it will see a consolidation and a, a recalibration of businesses to balance the need of the business, but equally start to balance and honor the needs of the individuals. And our people are the most important asset. Do you think, though, that to a degree we were experimenting with at least working from home? We've been trying to mm. look at well, ways of it's making been bandied that around, hasn't right, it? for a really long time. So I think that's going to, like you said, have a really well, for some people, I think it'll have a really positive impact. I think for others that really need the social interaction and being able yeah. to have other yeah. people across from them, I, I do wonder what the implications would be for them. We're all different, aren't we? And that's the hard mm. part. I know that, you know, there's certainly, and it's probably not, we laugh at it, but we 
at work called one of our comp- supplying companies for some stock and my receptionist said to me, I've just put this order in. She goes, I don't know how it's actually going to arrive because I kid you not, the woman on the other end was definitely working from home and she sounded rather drunk. So <laughs> we, get this, we get this order in the clinic and it was really funny because she was like, she was so happy to hear from me. And I'm like, you're probably the only person that she heard from all day. She wasn't anticipating that. And the funny part was the order came and the order wasn't quite correct. Oh, oh my God, she's having margaritas She was having margaritas at two o'clock. And, and yeah. I know that that's the other thing yeah. I'm speaking to even mothers in the community that are homeschooling their children and they're like, oh, gosh, come oh, three, three o'clock, it's really tough. Like, yeah. I'm like... Mm. So yeah. I, I, there has to, we have to find what that, that balance is. But I also wonder, come the other side of this, are there going to be a bunch of us that actually regret not taking the space, not taking the time, going, man, I could have used that time better? You will regret it because you haven't had a chance. Totally. Well, I won't because I've actually set things up at home where I'm actually, I feel like, yes, I'm far more busier because I'm trying to support the people around me, um, but it's given, that I can do that all of a sudden because I've got space that I'm not having to be in the clinic and, and whatnot. But I am looking at some people thinking that that, might happen. We might have like remorse, post-COVID remorse <laughs> that we didn't, do, you know, do that or stop enough. Do more. Um, yeah. And, and I just, I do think that it's going to affect us one of two ways. And, and I, I wonder whether we need to start to talk about coming out of this because we're currently in it. I was talking to someone else the other week and, she, you know, she was saying, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. And I said, no, but we can't live in limbo for the rest of our lives either. We actually need to accept that this is our life as we see it today, and how do we want it to look as we move forward? And I think if we can start to focus on, even though we don't know what it's going to look like, we have to have some idea of projection because this could be our life for a period of time. I hope not, but it could be. And so what are we going to do about that? I think there's there will be a significant number of people, Nat, that will, that will come through this and look back at some point and regret not making the most of the opportunity. I, I don't know... If we'll, in our lifetimes, our respective lifetimes, where whether we will get another opportunity where effectively the globe has paused, yeah. where we don't have to rush off and, and be working ridiculously long hours and, and all of the responsibilities that come with being a, a, a husband and a wife and a parent and a business owner and a friend and a, all of these things. Things have fundamentally stopped and we have one of two options. And my chairman reminded me this uh, of this recently, and, and that is one of the, the, the one of two options is we have is that we either are overwhelmed by the situation and we end up being caught in this position or place of inertia. We don't know what to do. We don't feel we can do anything. So we become a prisoner to the experience. And that's not critical. That's just, that's one of the options. And the other option, which is the option that with my chairman's support um, and my focus is, where's the opportunity here? Yeah, this is tough. It's Mm. difficult. I wish it didn't happen, but it has. So what can I focus on? And what I focus on is the strategies and the tools that I need to tap into and make sure that I'm investing into on a daily basis. But also from a business perspective, the timing of COVID-19 for Pucker Up was horrible. But what really? it's done now is, okay, what, where's the opportunity? Where can we transform or change direction so that Pucker Up can continue um, to get through this? And then once we're through this, I believe that we have a role to play, a really important role with regards to educating people around strategies and techniques to look after their well-being. So I think they're the two options 
And we can't tell anyone what to do, ladies. We can't do that. I just want to encourage anyone that hears this conversation, don't waste this chance. Spend time identifying what do you need to do so that you can come out of this well, so that you can be healthy, you can be well, you can be a member of your family, and we can look back on this time in 10, 20, 30 years' time and go, God, that was hard, but look at the way we came together. That's the opportunity. I think being able to look at the little tiny parts that make up every day is something that I've noticed, and I know some other people have started doing that too, um, it's, not, it's not unique to me, but even things like having a bit more time to just sit outside and listen to the birds and, you know, go for walks where you can't go far. So you have to look at what's in your local area. So people have been discovering parts of where, close to where they live that they haven't had time to visit previously. Even my dad, who's lived in the same area for, I don't know, 60 odd years, said he found a street he'd never walked down the other day. And I was like, yeah, good on you, dad. Nice. But um, even in relationships, you know, looking at the schooling thing, like you're saying, it's, it's tough because you've got to try and be with the kids to, to help them get through their school day and stuff. But it, it's given people an opportunity to see the members of their family in a different light. There's been some funny stuff about, you know, people working at home. And I saw a thing my cousin put online saying, I didn't know I was um, married to that guy that said he'd circle back. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know? can overhear these conversations <laughs> yeah, all the time. Right. But, but there's lots of good that can come out of that too, especially with kids because, I mean, as parents, a lot of the time you're just like, oh, can you just, can you just, can mm. you? But if you stop and go, all right, why are you reacting that way? And look at the way you learn. Like I've learned so much about my children over the last couple of weeks just by observing the way they learn at school, which I would never have had that opportunity before because they're completely different in the, you know, parental context. You know, I want to actually raise something, though. The three of us are sitting here. We are so blessed to be at home with our families. Mm. There are so many people that are doing this on their own. And what are we needing to say to them? What are they needing to hear to be able to get through this? Because I've got patients that their whole families live in other states and they're here Mm. on their own or they're a single person and, you know, how can we help them? What do we need to be doing for them, I wonder? Yeah, Yeah, I think think that's a really important question that you raised, Nat, and that's something that I've been um, talking to a lot with a lot of webinars. We are fortunate. We get to go home and we walk in the door and our family's there. You know, that's such an important asset to have during really difficult and stressful times. But we also need to be mindful and conscious of those people in our network and our, our, our families and our, our circles who are on their own. And, and I think what's really important is, is that there's been this, this phrase which I, I, I fundamentally don't like. In actual fact, I don't use it. And, and, and I'm going to use it to explain what it is, but it's this mm. social distancing. That's the wrong message. Mm. In my opinion, it's physical distancing and we, we must continue to observe that and, and, and play our role in that for obvious reasons. But we, we, what we need to do and what I've been trying to do is reframe that physical distance is fundamentally required individually and as a community, but it's never been more important to double down on social connection. And what I mean by that is if, if there are people who have family and they're living with family at home, yet you know of someone in your circle who is on their own, we have an opportunity but also a responsibility of making more of an effort to connect with them. And, and what I mean by that is <clears throat> 
FaceTime and Zoom. Why is that important? Because we're talking like this and I can see the visual. I can see both of you. I can see your beautiful faces and your big smiles and waves and all those type of things. <laughs> but all of my conversations are either FaceTime or Zoom. And the reason for that is because it talks to the isolation. It addresses the potential disconnection that somebody who's living on their own may be feeling or experiencing. They get to see me. I get to see them. But the other really, really important reason why I use video conferencing is because I can look for cues in the faces of the people that I'm connecting with. And if I suspect that they're tired, they look stressed, they seem overwhelmed, it gives me the opportunity of, of asking the question, how are you? Mm. How are you really feeling? Let's open up that discussion. And if, 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 look, I can't tell anyone what to do, but if we're not thinking about those people on their own, then those people on their own may be really starting to feel completely disconnected and overwhelmed. And we, we don't want that to happen. We've got to offer hope and we've got to offer a sense of connection. If we have hope and connection, then we feel that we have options available to us. I think that's a really good point now <clears throat> as well that in Australia the, the curve is being squished right down, which is good. Um, you know, obviously a few weeks ago when that wasn't the case and in other places where there's still a big infection rate, the, the physical distancing is really important. But there was also this element that went along with it where you would be around people and, and you weren't sure who might have the disease and so it became this really yeah. strange kind of feeling of suspecting people of something but, and it wasn't anybody's fault but it was a really odd kind of fog that had descended upon everybody. But, of course, now we still need to be mindful of, of the fact that, you know, it still can happen, but I guess it's a little bit less problematic and so maybe it, it gives us a chance to open that up more, as you say, to be there for each other. I think that's, I think that's fair, Cecilia. I think, I think fear has underpinned a lot of human behaviour and that's, again, I'm not being critical. I understand how fear can drive behaviour. Um, and, and I think that there's been this um, feeling of suspicion. Does this person have it? Have they had it? Have they been in contact? And, and that's not that's not that's not how we normally behave as human beings. So I understand that. But where what I've liked through this whole process, and I noticed this certainly through the first four weeks of of the lockdown restrictions. We, in, in my opinion, as, as a species, we lost our human connection. And what I mean by that is we're, we've been so busy, so focused, that when we walk past a complete stranger, we've, we've lost or we, we've, we've, I don't know, we've been distracted. The simple gesture of a smile or a hello, how are you, thank you, please, is innate to the human experience. And mm. what I noticed was that there seemed to be a concerted effort by people that I've never met to acknowledge one another, to wave, to be courteous. Yeah. No, you're right. You go in front of me. Thank you. Mm, Have a so good true. day. Yeah. That sounds that sounds really simplistic, but that I think is is something that I hope through this experience we don't lose again because that talks to what we're all capable of. I think that's so true. Yeah, it's good too. I love that you've ended up having conversations with people that you wouldn't ordinarily like. No, it. totally. <laughs> the other day. Absolutely. I saw this guy who took the kids for a scooter yeah. at, at a deserted car park at a school because, of course, there's no one there. <clears throat> and um, this guy, had he'd been for a bike ride, he'd stopped and he was doing push-ups on the bar 
said to him, who needs a gym? He goes, oh, I'm missing my yes. gym so much. I miss the gym. Oh, I absolutely complain the whole time I'm there, usually. <laughs> and now I'm like, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. I, I whinge the entire time. Um, Wayne, when we're going through any uncertainty, um, I wanted to understand, in your opinion, what's the worst thing we can say to other people? Because I think sometimes we say things without consciously realising the impact it has, not from a place of anything other than conversation or filling space. Like we talk just to fill the gaps. (laughs) We do, right? But we end up saying sometimes things that people carry, they hold on to that aren't positive or... So I know, for example, we've spoken to um, in other episodes about miscarriage and the right thing to say Mm. because we often say the wrong thing. Like, oh, don't worry, at least that happened. You'll get there eventually or whatever. And we (laughs) learnt from someone. That's right. I wouldn't know because I've never been in that situation. But I just wonder, in your opinion, what do you think it is? Like, what could be the worst thing that we could be saying and how can we check in to kind of be more aware about what's coming out of our mouths at the moment. Yeah, and I really appreciate you asking that question. And the way I'm going to ask it is a little bit back to front. The most important thing uh, that we as individuals can do when somebody is feeling overwhelmed, stressed, sad, upset, agitated, scared, worried, all of those normal, quite heavy emotions is to sit in the space without wanting to fix, solve, or try and find a solution, and that's not an easy that's not an easy space to sit in for for people, and that's not an easy space for men to sit in. But what's really interesting about all of this is that this is the space that I'm so comfortable in now. I, I interviewed Nat recently for the podcast again. We've done seven episodes for the next series, which will release recently, uh, shortly. You know, every one of those interviews is with an amazing woman. And to sit in that space as a male where there's vulnerability, there's authenticity, there are, there's um, all sorts of different emotions is really a privileged position because what it does, this is a long-winded answer, but what it does, it allows me to connect emotionally as a male. And, and men need to be able to connect emotionally as, as males. It's not weak. It's not soft. And I think it's really important that, you know, one of the things that has helped me work my way through this challenging situation is I'm not afraid to be a vulnerable person. And on the weekend, tragically, we lost a a cousin of mine who passed away unexpectedly. And um, I was upset. I cried. I talked. I was vulnerable. And within two days, I felt light again because I'd given myself permission to feel those things. I don't think that I'm weak. I didn't apologise and I don't think that I'm soft. I'm, that's just part of human, a human being. So that's that's the first thing. Can we, are we prepared to sit in that space with that person and just allow them to talk or express whatever it is that they're feeling without judging, without criticising, without trying to solve it because that's not mm. our job. Our job is to sit in the space and give permission to the other person to express feelings, emotions, thoughts, and communicating that whatever way that they choose to. And some of the things that I would be encouraging people not to say is, um, I think there's an, and I've been, I've been pushing this quite strongly for a number of years. We are conditioned to believe that we are not meant to be vulnerable and emotional or cry as we grow up. That is fundamentally flawed and that is the conditioning which gets handed down to us from previous generations. 
And I would, I will ask you both. Have you both said sorry at some stage when you've when you've been adults and you've cried in front of people? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And thank it's you for true, your honesty. It's true, isn't it? Right? Yeah, like, but, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, I shouldn't be but, upset about this. But yeah. here's, the, here's the follow-up question. Why are we saying sorry? Yeah. What are we saying sorry for? You're right, because it's about showing vulnerability and it, if you do that and you weren't prepared for it, you feel like it's the wrong thing to have done. Yeah. Be, yes, and that's, 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 that's a very, I was going to use the word right, but right supports the fact that that's correct. I don't what agree assessment. with that. There you go. It's, it's an appropriate response because this is how we're conditioned. Mm. And why I'm so strong on this is when we look at our children and they get upset and they cry, especially at a young age, we give them permission to behave in that way. But as they start to get a little bit older and they go into teenage years and they then go into young adults and then they move into becoming an adult, the expectation, which is not theirs, it's ours and others in societies, is that, no, that's not how you behave. That's wrong because we are human beings mm. and we feel all of our emotions. And what I'm trying to challenge with regards to narrative and messaging is stop saying sorry for being an emotionally expressive and a vulnerable human being because that is who we are. So when we feel vulnerable and we feel as adults it's starting to get a bit too much and if we feel the tears welling in our eyes and we know it's coming and from somewhere deep in our brain and our subconscious thinking, we feel, no, we've got to say sorry because we've got to control this. Yeah. No. Allow, give yourself permission to experience it and then when you catch that word before you say it, the word sorry, swap it out with thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be emotional. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for just standing in this space because that that opportunity of feeling and expressing those strong emotions is part of the therapeutical process which allows us to move forward. Mm. I lost my cousin four days ago, 49, father of two, partner of one. It was tough, it was upsetting, it was really sad. But I gave myself permission to feel all of those emotions. Four days later, I'm still saddened by his loss, but I'm comfortable with the way that I felt and I dealt with this as a male. And I think that's really important, that men need to be given the environment, often by the influential women in their lives, because this comes a little bit easier for women, but the amazing women around our world have the opportunity of creating the space that eventually invites those men in their lives into those spaces. And it's not weak, it's not soft, it's just part of being a human being. Hmm. Can I just say before we let you go, um, I think we were talking about the enormity of the situation and it's so big that you sort of go, what am I going to do? I've actually taken some comfort in the fact that it's so big because it's not personal at all, you know? Like, I mean, it's really difficult because people have lost work, jobs, um, businesses are struggling. Like, there's all of those implications, of course, and then there's, of course, the as we're talking about, the mental health implications and all of the things that are happening. But I just keep taking one step back and going, look across the world. This is everybody, you know? Like, you can't fix it. But take some solace in the fact that everyone is experiencing something that is really uncomfortable for them at the moment and we will get through it, you yeah, know. It gives me um, definitely a sense of um, 
I don't know what the word is. I feel fine knowing that everybody else is impacted. Yeah, yeah. I feel better knowing that everybody else is impacted um, and that, yeah, nobody is exempt. No. And even like the, the data coming out about, you know, infection rates and deaths and stuff. I know I've, I've had a few people that have been really overwhelmed by that and have said I have to switch off the news and all of that kind of stuff. And, and that's been coping mechanism for a lot of people to just switch off from it. And I can understand that completely. But for me, I find it fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Because that, it helps me to try and make sense of how big this is and, and how it's affecting different parts of the world. And yeah, it's really intriguing that you find the different parts that you can mm. try to, to work your way through with. I never watch the news anyway, so this is nothing different <laughs> to me. <laughs> what news? I am that person that doesn't watch it and then someone's like, did you see? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just wait for people to tell me and then I can actually draw a better conclusion because the media okay. often feed yeah. things to us that is just feeding the fears as well. I think one thing before we go that I just want to raise as well, and I've said this and I don't know if I've said it in any of our podcasts, but... I think Australians need to be particularly kind to themselves at the moment, given the fact that it's not just COVID-19. It was on the, we had bushfires and a lot of people were just recovering and just finding space to actually move forward from that and then this. And so I think we need to remember that. I think we've forgotten that that was the first part of our year and then Mm. this has happened. And so, you know, and anyone's listening to this podcast down the line when we're We've moved past it in the new normal. Um, I think we need to remind ourselves that we always get through it. Like every time that you've felt like you're feeling or have felt in the last little while and you can look back, hopefully you can see actually it got even better than better. You know, on some Mm. point there was a turning point that Mm. it, it was a new level of something that I didn't know before, but I did it. Mm. I got through it and here we are and and mm. it's the ebbs and flows. It's never going to be all amazing and it's never going to be all terrible and if we can just remind ourselves of that and have that perspective, I think it helps to, to go through the motions. Mm. Yeah. I love that, Nat, because there's a couple of things that that talks to for me personally. One is I got asked recently, where does where does strength come from? And my answer eventually was strength comes from all the shit that I've had to wade through, mm-hmm. all the challenges, all the triumphs, all the tragedies. Without those experiences, you don't get the opportunity for growth. And this is, and, and, and to your point, collective points before, I take comfort in the fact that no one's immune from this experience. We are all on this journey together whether we like it or not. So I draw comfort on that. But through this experience, there is an opportunity for personal and societal growth if we're prepared to lean into it and try to uncover it. And the other thing that I, I, I think is really important, and, and Nat, we spoke about this when we when I had you on our podcast about women's health, and that's this notion of self-care being selfish. No, it's not. It's fundamentally required for our health and well-being for a woman of any age and for a man of any age. Let's start to put ourselves first. Let's start to prioritise our health and wellbeing so that we can be the best version of ourselves. But to to paraphrase what Nat said, when we're healthy and well, we can be a better wife and a better husband, a better parent, a better sister, brother, friend, colleague, community member. You know, we have this opportunity, which is life. If we don't start saying, I'm important too, then we miss that opportunity and we don't have the, the best chance of being healthy and happy in every area of our life. And I really want to encourage people, 
Factor yourself into your own life and and prioritise that and protect it. It's really, really important. Absolutely. You've been given permission by Wayne Schwartz, so go ahead and do it. (laughs) Yeah, but then make permission to do the right things and the good things. Don't go and do bad things because that's not my responsibility. absolutely, absolutely. So I think, you know, what you're saying there, and it just ties back into what you normally, what what your message always is, is that... All care and no responsibility. Yeah, Yeah. So, you know, even from our... it's the vulnerability back what you're saying before that, you know, strength comes from that. And that's also that same being able to know your emotions, feel your emotions, yeah. have permission to experience mm. them. It, you don't have to hide them. You don't have to lock them away. It can be hard when there's other people around, especially young children, to express emotions. But even then explaining to them why it's important for you to feel like that or to feel whatever it might be, even if I get angry that they don't do their schoolwork, I can come back and say, (laughs) you know, I acknowledge the fact that I got really angry and I apologise that that made you feel upset or whatever it was. And we own it and then we move forward. And I think we can do that in any <laughs> any circumstance, especially schooling. <laughs> a lot of children going back to school expecting their teachers to go, <sighs> I know, right? I know. Words that start yeah. with F. But no, that's just parents. Yeah, Absolutely. teachers don't do that. Bless. I think what's really important in what you've just said there, Nat, again, this is something that I'm very strong on, and that is um, there's two things. One, we need to give ourselves permission to feel what we feel, think and experience. And we can all experience and think and feel different things um, in different ways. Whatever we feel and think is relevant to us. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just our experience of it. So don't feel that you've done anything wrong with whatever you think, feel or experience. Sit in that space and give yourself permission. And secondly, I like you, Nat, am not a teacher. No. A man's got to know his limitations. God, I appreciate teachers now. But but importantly, this is one of the best opportunities for us as parents to role model to our young children that we're not afraid of being vulnerable, of being upset, of crying, of laughing, of having fun, which are the easy emotions to display because the real power in that vulnerability and emotional expression is our children will see that as normal as they start to grow up. If we can do that, we empower our children to be emotionally connected and expressive when they become adults, as opposed to what happens for a lot of us is that we are conditioning ourselves and our children to disconnect emotionally. That adds to the stress that people experience. Mm, It really does. Wayne, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone can obviously go over to the Pucker Up podcast and download every episode and listen to the wisdom there Um, and of course you're also on Instagram and also if I'm correct the website is just puckerup.com yep well done there you go look at me go just pulled that up and worked that out myself Um, but thank you for taking the time to chat with us today it's been such a pleasure to have you again and Mm. all of your wisdom and I know Mm. that everyone will definitely be able to take some gems away from this. We would love if you do find your favourite pearl of wisdom in this episode to let us know in the comments and in the uh, reviews. Yeah, we like the reviews. We do like the reviews. I just went and had a look and we don't have any love since the last time we recorded. Come (laughs) on. No pressure, anyone out there. But um, It is good too because, like you say, if there's something that you just heard that resonated with you. Tell us. Because we forget. 
you know, totally. we're coming up to 100 episodes. That's a lot to remember. <laughs> it is, absolutely. And, of course, we're on Instagram as well. So the Wellness Collective mm. podcast on Instagram, you can go over there and yep. leave your comments even in the comment section there. You could do that. And yeah. you can see the lols that you come you up with because they're pretty funny. The lols. I've, yes, I know. I love doing that. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Wayne, so much. No, it's a pleasure, ladies. And can I just say thank you again for the invitation of coming back onto your program and in finishing uh, to both of you and to all of the wonderful women around the globe right now who are doing amazing work. Please keep doing it because the world's a better place for it. Thank you. Oh, oh Wayne, oh. I'm missing a hug from you. Oh, it's and killing I, me. I'm Last a big time hugger. you gave a I'm great a massive big hugger. hug. I was yep. very disappointed this morning when I thought about that. I was like, oh, I could really do with another one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, once this Next is time. all passed, we can, we can, we can do that. Cecilia, that is another episode of the Wellness Collective. Mm-hmm. Like we said, go back, listen to the others, tell us what you're loving. Well, you know, like time. we said, you've got time. You've got time. Let's fill it with Wellness Collective gems. Yes. Uh, but yes, thanks for joining us. And until next time, we hope you're feeling a little bit happier, healthier, and better. <laughs>